This episode of the Thrive Life Podcast is presented to you by Roar Alexander, powered by Thrive Life International and home of the Thrive Life Challenge. Get ready to discover everything you want to know about fitness, nutrition, and optimized healthy lifestyle hacks to help you truly earn your Thrive Life. Also, be sure to keep up with Roar at www.roaralexander.com and share the Thrive Life podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or the Thrive Life podcast page on Facebook. Now, with no further delay, let's get on to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Roar Alexander coming at you with another episode of the Thrive Life podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Got a great show for you coming at you today. It's all about energy and how we're going to build energy, uh, because this is something that... Uh, you know, I've been working on and struggling with for a while because if, you know, you've listened to the show regularly, you've heard quite often, you know, that I'm pretty much running three companies right now, three kind of startups that I got going and then I got my own home gym and I do a ton of traveling all over the place You know, I'm always traveling around to different countries. So uh, definitely coming up with energy and making sure I have optimal energy because, you know, when I do a lot of workshops and talks too, I have to be on it, you know, like I have to be completely energized, ready to rock, always smiling. You know, when you're dealing, when you're in customer service, you can't come in there with a bad mood. I mean, I know a lot of people that do, but that's not the kind of thing you want to be doing for sure. So what we're going to talk about today is I don't even know how many I have. I have a whole bunch. I can't even call it my top 10 list. There could be like top 17 or 18 on here. I don't think there's that many. Uh, but we're just going to actually get rocking right to it. So uh, like, uh, like this at the beginning, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it. Need more listeners. I think I got like five right now. So let's get this thing rocking, people. This is great information. This is stuff that is going to help you. It is uh, you know, going to help you if you're, you're busy, you're on the go, you don't have much time. Everything I do is about making yourself better. Be better you know and it's all the stuff i give you is very easy i'm not a big i'm not here to sell you supplements to sell you equipment and sell you plans um that's not what i'm here to do everything i'm everything i talk to you about is stuff that you can do at home so you know uh, there's nothing weird here um so let's just jump straight into it all right so Number one on my list. So like I said, today's about how do we build energy because everybody's always quiet. So number one, sitting all day and no movement. This is rampant, obviously, in our society is this whole thing where we're just sitting down. Think about it. You are sitting down all day. Those muscles are relaxed. You're not moving around. The more you move, Blood flow moves through your body into your muscles. Blood carries nutrients, carries oxygen. When you're sitting down all day doing nothing, you basically, your energy system turns itself down. The blood pumps as slow as possible. Your resting heart rate's very low. And so you're not pumping in all that oxygen you can get, which is one of the reasons why when you do exercise, it makes you feel better. Exercise gives you energy. That's the ironic part about it. Something that requires more energy gives you energy. So sitting all day or even just standing all day. You all know about the standing desk. And if you follow me on Instagram or anything, uh, YouTube, you've seen my videos and you've seen my posts that, you know, it's not just about standing. Standing is great, but it's about movement. You have to keep moving. Working at a standing desk all day with little movement 
is actually worse. So you got two guys. Let's say you got a guy who sits all day, but he gets up about every 15 minutes or 30 minutes and does a little bit of moving around. And then you got a guy who's at a standing desk and he just stands there for hours on end. The guy who actually sits down but moves more often is actually going to be in better physiological shape than the guy who stands there. So don't go thinking that standing desks are the answer. I see way too many people, way too many trainers just telling their clients or whatever, or, you know, optimization people just saying, oh, well, standing is standing is, is the solution. It's really not. If you see my Instagram video, you've seen that I have a ball I use to roll out my arches and my feet. I use a little foam roller. You have a step to raise different, um, so you put your left foot on it, you put your right foot on it. You want to be in different positions. You want to be doing squats. Even when I record this podcast, I go back and forth between sitting in this really high bar stool I have and standing up. So I have this sitting at my standing table. And I do lots of, um, you know, I do lots of moving while I'm just, while I'm even recording this podcast because I just couldn't imagine just kind of sitting in one spot, you know, for the, the 30 minutes or to 60 minutes that this podcast is in. So I try to do as much as I can standing and moving. And today, I even actually went to have a meeting with somebody and we just turned it into a walking meeting for the most part. Uh, nearly one third of our meeting was just a walking meeting. So we talked and while we walked. So making sure that you are getting in some exercise, okay, getting movement. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to go to the gym three or four times a day. We're not talking about like, exercises in the traditional sense of throwing a bar on your back and doing squats or jumping into on a spin bike. We are just talking about movement, you know, walking up and down the stairs, going for a walk around the block. Just moving is the key. Don't sit down. The worst thing you can do is just sit or stand in one place all day. So stationary, just let's call it being static. People are just too static all day. We need to be dynamic. So uh, number two, let's talk about this because the way your day is going to go, your energy levels, it really starts with the morning and uh, how you how you start your morning is going to reflect in your energy levels for the day so one of the most powerful things we can do in the morning to get us ready for the day is to get out and get some sun you see your body whether we like to admit it or not we are part of nature no more than owls and wolves and, and you know crickets so our body, our brains are connected to what's called circadian rhythms. We have these circadian rhythms that go up and down and we have different patterns that we follow and different hormones respond differently at different times of the day. And one hormone that is very high in the morning, which we want high in the morning, is called cortisol. Cortisol is your wake up and get prepared to take on the day uh, hormone. And while you often hear that cortisol is a bad thing. It's not. If you really had no cortisol, you'd, well, you'd be dead. But you, know, you need to have cortisol high at the right times. In the morning, it's high. But the way we want to maximize that to prepare us for the day is by getting some sun first thing in the morning, getting out there and getting that natural light. See, getting that natural light in the sun actually does something cortisol there's actually the, the the pattern it creates is actually called a cortisol awakening response and the more powerful our cortisol awakening response which is also just called car the more powerful our car response is in the morning is going to help us be energized for our day so they've done studies where they've taken people and they've given them that dim light in the morning versus brighter light in the morning and it actually affects their day. The people with the bright sunlight 
had a higher level of cortisol awakening response and they had more energy throughout the day. So just getting out there in the morning for five or 10 minutes of getting some natural sun on your face and on your arms is gonna help increase levels of vitamin D. It's also going to help increase your cortisol and that is in turn going to wake up your brain. So that is when we want to get cortisol. Now, on the flip side of that, we have nighttime. Nighttime is when we don't want cortisol. And we're gonna talk about here, uh, there's quite a few things that raise our cortisol. So the first thing we have to understand about cortisol, I guess, is that it is a hormone that responds to stress. When you wake up in the morning, you come from an unconscious to a conscious state of being. And because of that, basically your brain wakes up and it is going to have cortisol spiking because your brain has all of a sudden gone from the state of unconsciousness to consciousness. So it sees it as a stress and it is going to literally wake up. So any stress is going to affect cortisol. And uh, we want to make sure that we are not doing the wrong stresses at the wrong time of day. So cortisol, we need to make sure that we have the right kind of, cor you know, that we keep our cortisol levels down at certain points of the day and up at certain points of the day. So when we think about it, when would we want to not have high cortisol? If we want to have high cortisol in the morning, then obviously what's going to happen is at night we don't want to have high cortisol. So one of the reasons that we do not want high cortisol is it because it directly affects melatonin. And melatonin is your sleep hormone. So what happens norm normally in the brain is in the morning, cortisol levels are high, melatonin levels drop off. Then at night, as the sun starts to set and the nighttime starts to come, cortisol levels start to go down and melatonin levels start to go up, signaling to your brain that it's time to go to sleep. However, there's a number of things that can throw off our um, our melatonin. So other things that could basically reduce it and cause problems for us getting tired. And those are exercising too late at night. When you exercise late at night, you're going to raise your levels of adrenaline. You're going to raise your body temperature. And in turn, you raise your levels of cortisol because cortisol, we said, responds to stress. And lifting weights or doing any kind of intense exercise is obviously a stress on your body. So that raised cortisol from exercise decreases melatonin. Okay, So that's one thing we definitely don't want to do at night. Now, your body doesn't understand the differences between stresses. So thinking too hard at night, doing a lot of work, working right up until it's time to go to bed without any downtime, that's another major one. Usually when we're thinking, we're working on a project, we're slamming away, you know, we're going at it, and our brain's in the zone, we're in, we have higher levels of cortisol at that point too because we are under a self-inflicted or you know, job-inflicted stress. That again, cortisol goes up, melatonin comes down, which is why quite often, you know, people, you're working, 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 I'll say, okay, I just shut off the computer. You have to dewire. You need an hour to an hour and a half for your brain to come down. I'm sure all of you have had this. Then, of course, the last thing, and I've talked about this in many podcasts uh, and, and articles, is blue light. 
you know, and I'm not going to go into where blue light comes from. We all know it comes from screens. So basically screens, light bulbs, anything electric puts off high amounts of blue light. Blue light stimulates the hypothalamus. Normally what happens is the hypothalamus starts to turn itself down at night and things like red light do not affect the hypothalamus as much. But blue light makes the hypothalamus go hyperactive, which again increases cortisol, which again lowers melatonin. So any kind of stresses late at night, any of those physical stresses are going to make it so you can't sleep properly. And of course, you get bad sleep, you have bad energy. Just try it. Stay awake all night, one night, and then see you next morning. Are you going to be energized or not? So if you are constantly getting bad sleep, you're going to bed too late, you're getting up too, you know, you're getting up later, you're getting up, you know, the alarm's going off and it's freaking you out, and, and all your hormones are whacked, you are not going to have good amount of energy. So once you are in bed, though, we also have to look at a few other things. As I said, is there any light? You want to be sleeping in a very dark room. So is there any ambient light that is going to be throwing off your circadian rhythms? Your body is very responsive to even the smallest amount of light. So we want to have a room that is very, very dark. Second of all, is your room loud? You know, if I've talked to you guys here, where I record my, where I record this podcast is extremely loud. In the background, I know you guys quite often can hear a motorcycle shooting by because I am about 30 meters away from one of the major, well, the, the major road in Thailand, which is called Sukhumvit, and which happens to be there's Sukhumvit, and over top of Sukhumvit runs a train. So I tend to have a very, very loud house, which is not great for sleep. For the most part, it's louder down here than it is upstairs because the upstairs in the living quarters, uh, it's completely sealed. Where downstairs, I have one of these giant garage doors and that garage door actually has holes in it. Um, So you can hear sound more uh, in the room I'm sitting in right now than you can upstairs. Um, But still, it's not the quietest environment. That much is for sure. Now, another problem we have here is... Quite often, your room, if it's too warm, having a bedroom that is too warm or having too many blankets and covers is again going to affect your sleep, which is why they say if you want to get your best sleep, you should actually sleep naked and you should sleep with as very little bit of blankets or sheets as you can. Ideally, you want to have your room basically between 16 and 19 degrees. That's quite cool. That's like 72 degrees. You want to have a pretty cool room because... Your body temperature needs to come down. When you sleep, your body temperature drops. So if you can do that early, if you can help your body to bring down its temperature quick, it's going to get you into a deeper sleep. And at the end of the day, that's really what's important. It's not the quantity of the sleep as much as it is the quality. Now saying that, five and six hours is not really enough for 99% of people, but If you're sleeping seven and a half hours, a good quality sleep versus somebody who's maybe trying to do 10, but their sleep sucking and they're waking up all night long. They, you know, it takes maybe half an hour to get to bed. The morning spent rolling back and forth and, you know, they're up and down in the evening. They, even though they were in bed for 10 hours and you were in bed for seven and a half, if your quality of sleep is better, meaning you're getting that deep sleep, you are going to be in better shape. So making sure the room is quiet dark and cool. Now, 
Let's talk about something else that can mess up your sleep and raise your cortisol. And that is eating too late. Nowadays, so many people are always eating late. And eating late is a really terrible thing to do. Because eating late really messes up your blood sugar levels. And blood sugar, again, responds negatively to, uh, to, to the body. It, it, with cortisol, it does something to cortisol that's negative, which we'll talk about in a minute, does, and which in turn does something to melatonin, which is negative. So eating late at night can cause a raise in blood sugar, making it likely that you'll experience a blood sugar crash while you're asleep. A vicious cycle is a recipe for adrenal exhaustion. And basically, there are more than 40 million people that have trouble going to sleep. So what happens is this. I'm just going to read it to you because it probably is easier if I just read it to you than if I try to explain it. So you eat late at night. Blood sugar spikes. The pancreas releases insulin to get the sugar out of the blood. Unfortunately, for most of the population, the pancreas delivers too much insulin into the bloodstream. This causes a dramatic blood, uh, sorry, a dramatic drop in blood sugar, i.e. a blood sugar crash. The blood sugar crash alerts the adrenals that there's an emergency. So your body starts going into a state of emergency. So what is that? Your body starts going into a state of stress. The adrenals secrete cortisol. Cortisol inflames the body and then, of course, creates a loss of melatonin. Then you wake up. So going, eating that food before you go to bed and screwing up your blood sugar levels, okay, causing them to go up and then crash really rapidly, is going to decrease your melatonin. So one of the things we want to do is, even during the day, what we don't want is you've probably heard the old keep your blood sugar level stable by eating five or six meals a day. And to be honest, there's no truth behind that at all. Yes, we do need to keep our blood sugar level stable, but eating five or six meals a day doesn't do that. What makes more sense is just focusing on the nutrients and the kinds of food that you're eating that are going to keep your blood sugar stable. Those are your complex carbohydrates, your healthy fats, and your lean proteins. So we want to make sure we're getting our dark rices, our yams, even potatoes are not that bad. Lots of vegetables, lower glycemic fruits such as berries, uh, maybe an apple, avoiding really high glycemic fruits such as bananas for the most part, uh, dates, anything that really spikes your blood sugar up, unless it's of course it's after workup, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about average people day to day. Um, you know, Fiber and fats are going to help keep your blood sugar levels lower and proteins as well. So we want to make sure that we're focusing on those kinds of foods. And you really can get away with just your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you're active, then yeah, you probably want to have a little bit more nutrients, mostly protein-based for the most part, and some good fats to help you get the extra nutrients you need for your muscles and for recovery. So... Once we got our eating down, okay, and we've got our blood sugar balance, the next thing we can do is we can look at nutrient deficiencies. And there's a number of nutrient deficiencies that could cause low energy. So biggest one of all is water. If your hydration is out of whack, you are going to feel tired. I cannot tell you how many times 
I feel sluggish and lazy, and then I recall, you know, it comes to me that, oh, you know, I've only had a very small amount of water today. Making sure that your body is hydrated is super important. Even a drop of 1% or 2% in hydration can cause your brain to slow down and cause a numbness. So basically, it really drops your energy levels down. It can cause impairment in your thinking. The brain is responsible for everything from mood to energy, okay? Nothing else creates the mood and the energy. It's the brain. It is different hormones. So you need to make sure that you're getting in plenty of water. Another very important mineral is magnesium. Magnesium is responsible now, they've discovered, for over 330 processes in the body. And one of those processes is helping to create ATP. ATP is your body's energy. When you eat food, it breaks down in the blood sugar. That blood sugar gets turned into glycogen. Glycogen goes through some different stages. And at the end result is when your body needs energy, it creates energy through breaking all the nutrients down you eat in the muscle cell. And it responds by releasing ATP. So low levels of magnesium is going to cause a retardation of ATP processes. So it's extremely important. On the other hand, too, magnesium taken specifically before bed is actually a very good muscle relaxant. So I, you've probably heard me, if you follow me on Instagram or anything, I quite often talk about taking magnesium or a product I take called ZMA, which is zinc and magnesium together. Uh, zinc has been shown to help increase immune function as well as being linked to testosterone production and magnesium helps with the muscle relaxing. So magnesium should be high in your list and it's estimated that the majority of the world is actually short in magnesium because it's not the easiest supplement to get, uh, sorry, the easiest mineral to get in food. Um, You know, our society, especially Western society, is very calcium crazy, but they're not too big on the magnesium for the most part. And magnesium is just as important, if not, to be honest, more important than calcium. Like I said, calcium is great for bones. Calcium does some other things as well. But magnesium is responsible for 330 processes. That is a lot of processes that one mineral is heavily involved in, at least in some aspect or another. Other uh, vitamins, nutrients you can look at, uh, iron. So especially for women, because you lose blood during your menstrual period, many women tend to be low in iron, uh, which is why, you know, doctors are always suggesting for women to take an iron supplement. Now, iron can also be toxic, though. So only take an iron supplement if you know you're low in iron. And guys specifically, we don't need a lot of iron for the most part. Now, people who train a lot, sometimes we tend to be a little more deficient in iron, but guys, for the most part, don't really have to look at iron too much. This is more for the women. Um, Then you have vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is, again, a very important, one of the very important B vitamins. All the B vitamins are actually energy. They help you create energy, which is why usually when you go to a nutrition store, uh, when you say I'm low on energy, they'll actually try to sell you a, a B complex. But vitamin B12 is an extremely important one. A lot of people are deficient in it because the main source of it tends to be from red meat. And again, women, for the most part, tend to eat less red meat than guys. So supplementing some B12 or increasing your red meat consumption 
may help to raise your levels of B12 and may help to increase your energy. So if you do not eat a lot of red meat or maybe you're very, you know, you just don't eat red meat, period, you may want to consider either having a little bit of red meat or think about taking a form of B12. And the form you want to take is called sublingual, meaning it's basically a little tablet and you put it under your tongue. You see, when you swallow B12, the stomach acids actually destroy a lot of it when you take it in supplement form. So the sublingual kind actually dissolves underneath your tongue and gets absorbed directly into the blood vessels, which is why people who are, you know, chronically deficient in B12, they actually go one step further and you can actually get injections of B12 from your doctor. Um, But for the most part, I'm going to suggest, you know, unless you've been clinically shown to have not enough B12 and your doctor suggests you get injections, that you consider taking um, a, you know, the the supplemental form, uh, sublingual form underneath your tongue. Now, another one people don't think about very often is vitamin C. Vitamin C, of, of course, you're saying right now, well, isn't vitamin C the immunity vitamin? And when I've talked about that, yes and no. Vitamin C long-term has some immunity benefits, but it definitely doesn't help you, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to catch a plane tomorrow and you want to boost your immune system. It doesn't work like that. But vitamin C is also very important for burning fat because vitamin C helps the body to create L-carnitine. And L-carnitine helps the body to burn fat. So using fat as an energy source um, is going to be very important. So vitamin C is actually really good at helping provide some fat oxidation for energy. And finally, we go to omega-3s. Omega-3s, obviously, from fish oils and stuff like that, your brain is a large portion of omega-3, especially covering the uh, neurons in your brain. So a better functioning brain means more energy. So definitely looking at taking some omega-3s is going to help increase your brain function as well. So you should try taking an omega-3 or fish oils or eating some you know, oily fish every single day for the most part. You do want to keep your omega-3 intake fairly regular and fairly high. Now, let's go back to the bedroom for a sec. So, other things that could be disrupting your sleep could be as simple as you have a crappy bed and crappy mattress or a crappy pillow. So, for instance, my girlfriend, uh, she was having a terrible sleep all the time. And we tried hard pillows, soft pillows. She finally went and bought one of these ergonomic pillows, you know, that's shaped for your neck. And she said her sleep improved like 10 times. So while we had everything else going on, we had the dark room as quiet as can be. We have the air conditioner running. We had our red light set up to decrease our, our, um, you know, to decrease our blue light. We had everything we were supposed to do. It all came down to the fact that she had a crappy pillow. And then the mattress we actually have, we ended up having to flip it over because we can start to feel the spring. So something as simple as a bad pillow or a bad mattress can affect your sleep as well. So if you really think, you know, it's really worth it. You spend one third of your life in bed. So it's worth it to go get yourself a decent mattress and go invest in a nice pillow, especially now they got those mattresses and the pillows that really help to disperse um, the heat you know, to keep your body cool. They have those ones where um, you don't just lie there and the heat kind of gets concentrated. It actually helps to disperse the heat out. So take a look into those. Now, other things we want to do is we want to 
Um, Where are we here? There we are. We want to be sleeping according to cycles. So the average sleep cycle lasts about 90 minutes. And the worst thing that one of the worst things you can do is wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle. And so this is why I'm not a big fan of alarm clocks. Because the thing is, alarm clocks don't care what sleep cycle you are in. An alarm clock goes off at a time that you have preset. And with modern technology, we can do a much better job with optimizing when we wake up. And that's by using something like a circadian rhythm sleep app. What this is going to do is they track your sleep. And it does it in a couple ways. There's ones where you can have wearable ones, and it keeps track of your heart rate. But the other kind, the audio kind, what they do is when you are in very deep sleep, your body is actually paralyzed. A lot of people don't know it, but when you are in deep sleep, stage four, delta sleep, REM sleep, your body is paralyzed and you're not moving. So if you're not moving, there's going to be absolutely no sound. So what happens is nowadays on most smartphones, they have quite sensitive microphones. So if they don't hear your body rustling around and there's no movement going on, it understands that you are in a deep sleep. So what they do is they just keep listening and listening and listening for you starting to move and they listen to your breathing. And what happens is they can figure out your sleep cycles. So you don't set an exact time that you want to sleep. You set a time window. So you might say, I want to wake up between 5.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it might wake you up at 5.30. It might wake you up at 5.40. It may wake you up at 5.53. It is going to pay attention to your sleep cycle, and it's going to wake you up when it feels that, okay, this is the best time within this window to wake you up. So those really help a lot and honestly it's only about two dollars the one i use is actually called sleep cycle and there's a couple ways you can actually lay it down on the bed and it uses that little um, device inside your phone and it actually feels for the shaking and the movement in the bed so when you're moving a lot you're going to be in a lighter stage of sleep the other option that they suggest is using the microphone option and just having it sitting pretty close to you with the microphone pointing at you. You'll get the directions. It's very straightforward and easy to use. But the nice thing is they can actually track your sleep as well. So you can look at it the next day and you can see maybe where there's some issues in your sleeping. It tells you roughly what time you fell asleep at. It shows you where all your different levels you go through. And then you can look at it and say, okay, well, I've started taking magnesium. Am I getting a better sleep from taking magnesium? Um, so it's actually going to allow you to quantitatively look at your what the things that you are doing and see if it's actually improving your sleep. So definitely look into a sleep app. Um, another thing, a lot of people don't like power naps, uh, which I've never really understood. Power naps are probably one of the absolute best things that you can do for yourself during the day. A lot of people think power naps are lazy and they're really not. There's nothing wrong with taking a power nap in the afternoon. As long as it's not an energy, it's because you're, you know, you're taking a lot of stimulants, and you're going up and down, up and down, and you're just crashing out, and you feel like you have to take a nap. But if you're feeling a little low on energy in the middle of the afternoon, which naturally happens usually between about 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, there's no problem with taking a power nap as long as you're going to follow proper power nap science. So what is that? 
Well, we talked about sleep cycles. And the average sleep cycle, what happens is after about 30 minutes, you move out of stage one sleep and you start to go into stage two and stage three sleep. We do not want to power nap into that stage three sleep. So power naps ideally should be set for 20 to 25 minutes and no longer. Anything after that, if you power nap, say, for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and then what happens is your alarm goes off, you have what's called sleep inertia, where your brain has started entering those deeper stages of sleep, and again, now you've woken it up. And that's when you wake up feeling really groggy and kind of disorientated. So I'm sure many of you at some point have taken a nap. Your nap's gone longer than you were expecting it to. And then you actually feel worse. So by taking a power nap between 10 and 20 minutes, you can really cut down on that. So you're going to have to experiment a little. Maybe it's going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or 20 minutes. But try not to aim for over 25 minutes. But see, there you go. There's, there's that motorcycle I was talking about. Let's just let it go by. There we go. Like I said, downtown Bangkok, loud house. Hopefully when I get my new microphone kit, it'll fix that up. But it is what it is. Um, so where were we? Yes. So we were basically talking about power naps, power naps, no problem with those whatsoever. Now, last thing we're going to be talking about today, because we're at about 34 minutes. I'm just kind of flying through these. I know a lot of podcasts can turn this into a two hour podcast, but I try to get these things done in under 40 minutes for the most part is, and it's going to, this is a little different. This, I'm taking a little different angle here. Uh, This is not so much physiological or nutritional as it is just attitude. You want to think positive. Thinking positive, just having a general good outlook. Be freaking happy that you're alive. Be happy that you're healthy. Be happy that you can go and do the things you want to do. Having a positive outlook is going to change the way that you feel. You've met those people all the time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm beat. You know, just the people, they just have this down negative energy. They're always tired. They're always beat. They're always lethargic. Life isn't going that great. Think about it. Everything you do comes down to how you feel about it. Like This is a perfect example. The other day I was taking a walk, and because like I said, I'm in Bangkok, Thailand. It is a freaking 105 degrees here every day right now. And I'm taking a walk in the sun. And at first, I was starting to sweat, get really hot. I'm thinking, oh my God, it is so hot. This weather sucks. It's so hot. I'm so sticky. But then I thought to myself really quick, I caught myself thinking that. And I said, hey, you know what? Actually, I don't get a lot of sun because I tend to be inside working most of the day. Right now... I'm getting a high dose of vitamin C. Right now, I'm helping to improve my serotonin. Uh, Right now, there's people in other places where it's rainy, it's crappy, it's cloudy. I am blessed to be able to walk around in the sun every single day. I am lucky that I don't have to go take vitamin D supplements. I don't have to go sit in tanning beds. I can just literally go for a walk in the sun. And you know what I did? All that, it just flipped my switch. And I actually sat there. And I, was, I actually purposely walked in the sun. I stayed in the sun for the rest of my walk to the market because I was thinking, this is just amazing that I can be in the sun. I get those nutrients. I got the vitamin D. The vitamin D is helping to increase my testosterone, helps me to improve my immune system. I feel great. So within two minutes, 
My positive thinking, I went from negative thinking about the heat and how sticky I was to positive thinking about how lucky I am to be in the sun. Another thing you want to do to help you keep positive is always be improving. Rereading books, stimulate your brain, listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts. Do things that are going to improve your life mentally, make you feel better mentally, is going to give you more energy. Happy people are just energetic people. That's why you're called energetic and happy. You don't have energetic and depressed. It doesn't happen. You have lethargic and depressed. You have lazy and depressed. You have tired and depressed. You don't have tired and happy, lethargic and happy. The fact is, if you have a positive outlook, both consciously and subconsciously, by trying to, you know, always trying to catch those cues and, you know, not saying things like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm beat. Oh, I'm stressed. But just keeping constantly that positive uh, vibe in you and surrounding yourself as well with positive people. Have you ever gone to a place and maybe the person you met with, they're depressed or they're just crappy and they're complaining about life? Your energy levels drop or maybe you're at a place where you work and, you know, uh, everybody there is kind of negative. You drop and you're just like, uh, and you kind of just walk through your day as a robot. Everything out there in the world is going to affect you in one way or another. Negative things are going to affect you negatively and positive things are going to affect you positively. So make sure, guys, that you are staying positive. Keep your nutrition on track. Keep your bedtime behaviors on track. The last thing I want to talk about, and I'm actually going to touch on this. I didn't actually have it in my notes, but I do want to talk about it really quickly because we're going to jump back for a second to... Uh, the down regulation. If you do work a lot like I do, what I have found has really helped is I now, um, in, I've built myself a little room that I like to do yoga in. It kind of inspires me. Uh, and you don't have to build yourself a room, obviously. You can just do this in your, your living room. You can do it anywhere you want. Just grab a yoga mat. But what I do is I now have a little 15-minute yoga routine that I watch on YouTube. Uh, I have a projector, and it projects onto the wall. So it's like a 100-inch screen, which is nice. But you can do it on your iPhone. It doesn't matter. I have this little uh, uh, particular couple of channels I watch. And there's nothing. I'm not going to give you the channel because it really doesn't matter. Go, go to YouTube. Type in yoga. Find somebody who looks interesting. All of them are going to have playlists and they're going to have like an 8-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute relaxing yoga. I look for these different kinds of yogas, right? There's your morning wake-up yoga and the, the ones that get you kind of going more like your power yogas. Don't do that. Go and find the ones that call, you know, yoga for stress relief, beginner's yoga, light flow. A lot of them are labeled, you know, bedtime yoga. I have found that doing that... Uh, doing any kind of yoga, really light sort of exercises that focus on breathing, focus on stretching out the muscles, that is going to help to, to down-regulate your brain. So in my yoga room, uh, the lights are pretty much out. I only have a small lamp in the corner, which eventually I'm actually going to be switching to a red light bulb. Right now it's uh, kind of a, a, it's a soft light, uh, and it's not a very bright light. So I, there's a bright fluorescent overhead. I turn that off right away. So the, the yoga room is quite dark, but my next step is to go to a purely red light bulb. And I make sure that that is kind of the last physical thing I'm going to do for the day. So what you don't want to do is go do your yoga, then come back down and, and, you know, do some more work or go do the dishes or go mop the floor. 
Do everything you need to do. Wash your dishes. Do all your domestic duties. Everything you're going to do. Turn off your cell phone and make your yoga kind of the last physical thing you do to turn your brain down. So just you got to imagine is when I do my yoga, I come out of that room going, okay, my brain is now turned down by 50%. I'm not going to answer any emails. I am not going to do anything that relates to work or stress. I don't want to ruin what I just did. So practice five-minute meditations, practice yoga. Uh, If you're not into that stuff, just go outside in the dark and just take a walk around your block and just get some air. Just do anything that's going to help you relax. Um, So that's about it, guys. That is all my suggestions. We are at 40 minutes right now, so I want to get rocking out of here. Um, So those are my suggestions to help you have more energy through the day. Uh, please do not forget to share this podcast with everybody. I am on SoundCloud. I am on iTunes. It gets posted straight up to the Thrive Life Podcast uh, Facebook page. So it's going to go on my Facebook page. So feel, please share it on Facebook. What happens is on the Facebook, I, I put the link to the SoundCloud. You can share that or you can share the iTunes. If you like what I have to, what I'm bringing to you, always feel free to go onto iTunes and you know give me a five-star review. Uh, if you don't give me a five-star review, then don't bother giving me any review because I guess their algorithms, they only like five stars. So uh, if, if, you, if you're like, this is a four-star, well, then just don't even bother giving me one. So just, just let it go. But if you enjoyed it, please share it because I really am trying to do my best job here to bring you guys, you know, some of the best ideas from around the world. And we're going to be getting into uh, a lot of stuff from around the world very soon. Because right now I am on my um, kind of anti-Western, um, kind of this, I'm, the world seems to, you know, we seem to go with, and, and don't take this the wrong way if you're American, but the world seems to do everything the Americans tell us to do. And yet... They're like one of the unhealthiest countries on the planet, one of the most obese countries on the planet. Um, you know, they basically they're, they have a whole lot of negatives, yet they're always telling us how to eat well and how to exercise. And I am in the lucky position where I'm in Asia, where, you know, almost everything that the U.S. gets on about is from Asia. So right now, like I'll give you an example, bone broth. Bone broth is this, you know, this big kick right now. Started about a year ago. How amazing bone broth is for you. Bone broth is something they eat here every single day. In Europe too, traditional Europe, traditional Asia, they eat bone broth every day. Every day I go for this beef noodle soup that has like beef tendon in it. So every day I'm getting it. I'm not doing it because it's the cool thing to do. I didn't need to read a book on the bone broth solution. This is just what they do here. Um, Kombucha is another big one. Kombucha, Japanese fermented tea. Well, there you go right there. It's a Japanese fermented tea. They've been doing it for a long time, eating seaweed, all that sort of stuff. So what I really plan on doing with this podcast over the next year is really bringing you back to, you know, instead of saying, oh, this is the most cutting edge science. They're saying, no, you know what? This is the stuff that other people have been doing for thousands of years and they're doing it a lot better. And, you know, they don't have to bring out a New York Times bestseller. It's just the way it is. Give you an, here's an example. Right now in the U.S. is going on about down regulation and using your stress and all the fitness pros. You know, and I'm not just saying the U.S. When I say U.S., it's U.S., Canada, Australia, all those Western countries. You know, we're all going on about down regulation and increasing your stress and blah blah blah. 
you got a 112-year-old woman in Nepal. She has no science background. She lives under the stars, like very, no education at all. And her quote is something basically, and I can't remember word for word, but basically like this. You are all going to die early because all of you are too stressed. You have to not be stressed, keep working and being active into your old age, pretty much always have a purpose and working every day. Don't just decide at some age you're going to retire, but keep giving back to the community and just stay happy. I mean, we in the Western world have to run around and we have to put in thousands of dollars into university studies and we're all bringing out books and we're all bringing out theories and we're all bringing out ways to how do we stay happy and how do we what's the secret what's the key what's the that's a secret key and you got a 112 year old woman living on a mountain in freaking nepal who's known this for the last 60 years so Let's start listening to the people who are doing it really well. Japan, the most people over 100 years old in the world, followed, believe it or not, by China. You know, the big country of evil pollution and hates everybody and, you know, they're nothing. They have no health. They have the second highest amount. India is way up there, too. India, let's talk about that. Some of the lowest levels of chronic inflammation in the world. You've got uh, Singapore and Italy, who are, you know, for a couple years in a row, two or three years in a row now, Singapore has been the top one or top two healthiest uh, countries in the world. You got all of Scandinavia, who pops up, and I believe Myanmar is high on this list too. Myanmar, one of the poorest countries in Asia, but Scandinavia and some of these um, Asian countries are considered the health, sorry, not the healthiest, the happiest countries in the world. Canada, United States, Australia, all of these professionals, all of these gurus, none of our countries are coming up on these lists. I'm sorry, but we can write all the books we want with the solutions, but we don't know what they are. The fact is other people know what they are and they know what they are better than us. So I, for one, am going to start listening to them and I'm going to start paying attention not to what they're teaching because they're not teaching this stuff. They are just doing it. So I'm just going to start paying attention to what they're doing. And I'm going to start to tell you guys what they are doing. So instead of teaching and learning, we can just do and we'll be better off. Anyways, guys, thank you for checking in on this episode. Please make sure you go to my website, www.roaralexander.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. Facebook, and of course, YouTube. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I will talk to you again very soon. We have some great guests coming up over the next few months, too, so stay tuned. Talk to you guys later. Bye.